Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to be in chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 4. I took on great projects. I built houses for myself, planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself, planting every kind of fruit tree within them. I made reservoirs for myself to water my lush gardens, and I amassed silver and gold all for myself, the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers for myself, along with every human luxury, treasure chests galore. So I became far greater than all who preceded me in all of Jerusalem, and moreover, my wisdom stood by me. I refrained from nothing that my eyes desired, and I refused my heart no pleasure. Indeed, my heart found pleasure from the results of my hard work. That was the reward from all my hard work. But when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had worked so hard to achieve, I realized that it was pointless. A chasing after wind, and I realized nothing is to be gained under the sun. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Well, church, it's good to see you. I have missed you. I have missed you. And the church is still standing. I want to say thank you to all of you for allowing me this time of rest and renewal. And I want to say thank you uh, to our staff who's done a phenomenal job taking care of all of the details and, and making sure worship was happening and all of the ministries of the church were happening. Will you thank them with me? And how about that Lisa Winans? Oh my goodness. I, told, I heard her sing this at the 9.30, and I told her, I really think she sang it better than the woman who sang it in the movie. This was the theme song for the movie, and so, oh, I thought, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Because in her song, in Lisa's song, the way that she sang it, you knew what was enough. You knew that God's love was what was enough. And so thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Well, we haven't done a movie series in quite a while, so the staff thought that it would be fun for us to kind of look at some of the blockbusters of maybe this past, these past few years and talk about our faith and how we can see our faith in day-to-day living, even at the movies. If you haven't seen The Greatest Showman, there's a chance you may have heard the soundtrack, this beautiful piece of music, along with a number of beautiful pieces, was written by a gentleman that Steve Factor actually knows. Steve Factor is a member of our band in our 930 worship, and he was doing a wedding reception with his band, the Yacht Rockers, and, um, and so one of the wedding guests was the composer of the soundtrack from The Greatest Showman. And he asked if he could sit in with the band. Now, what would you say, you know? <laughs> sure, come on in. And, and so he sat with them. Great, great person, wonderful musician. But The Greatest Showman premiered in 2017 and starred Hugh Jackman as the legendary P.T. Barnum. Now, Hugh Jackman loves musicals, doesn't he? 
he did Les Mis, and, and this one does a wonderful job with it. The film follows this visionary, P.T. Barnum, who rose from nothing to create a mesmerizing show that we now know as Barnum and Bailey Ringling Brothers Circus, right? The Greatest Showman highlights the life of P.T. Barnum and how he began this show actually in 1871 as something entirely different. He started it as P.T. Barnum's Grand Traveling Museum, showcasing the unusual. Now, ironically, the movie premiered, The Greatest Showman, the same year that the actual Barnum and Bailey Ringling Brothers Circus gave their final curtain call. After 146 years, the greatest show on earth would cease to exist, yet will forever be considered, I believe, part of America's iconic history. Amen? We'll always remember the circus. Did you ever go to the circus as a child or teenager or a few hands? What was your favorite act? Just shout them out. Clowns, trapeze, elephants. Okay, I want to stop at the elephants for just a second. I have heard elephants from most people along the way when they talk about the circus. In fact, there's a young lady that lives with us when she's not in school, and I asked her, I said, Betsy, did you ever attend the circus when you were young? And she said, yes, when I was a little girl, we, when St. Louis had the circus, we went. And I said, what was your favorite act? And she said, the elephants. And it's ironic that when the elephants were taken from the show, from the circus, for whatever reasons, with animals um, in care for them and the... Um, acts that were put in place to care for our wild animals, the show began to lose tickets because the elephants were something that people were always wanting to see. Whatever you remember, the clowns, the lions, tigers, flying trapeze, we remember certain things about the circus. I, I grew up in a town that the closest town was about 10,000 people. And I lived in very rural America. And so the, clown, the, the circus never came to uh, those parts of the country. I did not see the circus until we moved to Marshall, Texas, and we took our young girls to the circus. But I loved the clowns. I absolutely looked forward to seeing the clowns. Well, after a little reading, I discovered that P.T. Barnum's early life was much different than the movie the Greatest Showman highlights. In fact, it was very different. But the one thing that it, the movie does capture is this true vocation of showmen that was represented well in the story. The movie highlights Barnum's ambition. In pursuit of his dreams, Barnum forgets what matters most and his original motivation for those dreams. The film poses some important questions for us all to think about. What actually is success? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet lose his soul? How do we define enough? And what really matters? Well, one of the things I've enjoyed very much on my sabbatical is 
being in times of quiet reading. I've been reading large portions of God's Word, including the Gospels and what we call the wisdom literature. I've been reading Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and I'll move into Job. I've read all through Proverbs, highlighted the ones that I really loved, and I'm moving into Ecclesiastes, and we're going to, and we read from chapter two today. And then I'll move into Job. That'll take me a little longer. Job is a really heavy book of, of suffering and those kinds of things. So I'll move into Job, and that will be a good reading, probably leading me into the Lenten season. But the writer of Ecclesiastes begins the whole book with these words, meaningless, meaningless, or pointless, pointless. Everything is pointless. That sure makes you want to continue reading, doesn't it? <laughs> Ecclesiastes 2, as Pastor Sean read, highlights how the teacher talks about all that he'd accomplished, all that he'd worked for. And what the teacher is trying to convey here is that pleasure is meaningless and provides no real value. In fact, he ends it with, I realize that it was pointless, a chasing after wind. Nothing is to be gained under the sun. The teacher comes to the conclusion that the ability to enjoy life and work is a gift from God. Amen? It's a gift from God to enjoy life and work and how God has placed us and given us those gifts. And it is not a call to live a selfish, pleasure-seeking life. In our movie today, The Greatest Showman, P.T. Barnum learned this the hard way, as most of us do from experience. He had gained it all only to lose it all with the burning of the museum which actually took place in his real life. Sounds a little bit like the kingdom of God to me. P.T. Barnum found the outcasts of society and included them, him, included them on stage with him as an equal. His motive for success may have been the reason he sought the unusual but his foundation for treating them with respect and love that came from something different. That came from his faith. And the reason I know this is I've been a, reading a little bit about the true life of P.T. Barnum, and I think that is why the movie picked that up. You see, in, our, in my reading, I found a teaching from his younger years that I think explains this. He penned a lesson he learned in a Bible class. He told how Reverend Lowe would have them draw scriptures out of a hat, and then they would have to read that scripture and then compose an essay and read it in front of the congregation. Sounds a little bit to me like a confirmation class. So he talked a little bit about the day that he pulled the scripture out of the hat from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 42. We remember this as a part of the Mary Martha story. Martha is busy about doing the work, all of the things that are needed to be done, and Mary is seated at the feet of Jesus, listening to every word. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. 
but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. So then the question was posed to Barnum out of the King James Version as it would have been at his age and that time frame. What is the one thing needful? In other words, we might ask that same question today, what really matters? After Barnum naming everything needful under every circumstance, as he was writing a very long essay, a very long composition, a merchant might need this, a farmer might need this, a physician might need this, he finally gets to the point. He says, the one thing needful is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, follow in his footsteps, love God and obey his commandments, love our fellow man and embrace every opportunity of administering to his necessities. He says in short, the one thing needful is to live a life that we can always look back upon with satisfaction and be enabled ever to contemplate its termination with trust in him who has so kindly vouchsafed it to us, surrounding us with innumerable blessings if we have but the heart and the wisdom to receive them in proper manner. The foundational love of Jesus Christ had been established in P.T. Barnum as a young boy. And he lived it out in his life. As it says in our Proverbs, in those little tidbits of wisdom, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it, right? The proverb does not say he won't lose focus. The child might not lose their way. No, the proverb says the child will not depart from it. In our movie today, the celebration of humanity helps him remember what really matters. Home. See, in the movie, Barnum says, I wanted to be more than I was. He wanted to prove others wrong about him, but more than anything, he wanted to prove something to himself that he was more. He didn't need to, did he? He was already enough. He'd lost sight of that. He'd lost sight that he'd been made in the image of God, a child of God, a child of God, and yet he thought he had to be more. I've been there. Have you been there? If not, there might be a time in your life in which you'll encounter that struggle. We lose our way from time to time and forget who we are and whose we are. We get so caught up in proving ourselves that we forget that Christ already proved it all for us on the cross. That we are enough. So easy to lose sight of that, isn't it? The Apostle Paul tells us clearly where our focus should be. He says, I consider everything a loss in comparison with the superior value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. There's a different meaning in the biblical sense of knowing 
It's not knowing about Jesus Christ. It's knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. He says, brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it, but I do this one thing. I forget about the things behind me and I reach out for the things ahead of me. The goal I pursue is the prize of God's upward call in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I do this one thing. I forget about the things behind me and I look at the things ahead of me. I forget about the things that I've lost focus on. Yes, Lord, I've lost focus. I've, I've turned my heart to things that are not of you. I'm going to put that behind me and I'm going to look ahead. And I'm going to deepen my relationship with you, O oh Lord, so that I might know you better. In other words, when we can get our focus right and focus on the things that matter, everything else, church, falls into place. When we can ask forgiveness from others, our neighbors, we can see that in our Lord and our Savior, that it all comes together. Love and grace sweep in and make everything right. We can get our relationships on track. When we have a relationship with our Lord and Savior and it is in, on track, then all the other relationships fall on track too. In the movie today, P.T. Barnum finally sees this. He finally sees what really matters and he finally comes home. He finally comes home in his relationship with God and his relationship with his family. Jesus tells a story about a lost son, someone who'd lost focus completely. He wanted to be more than he was. In fact, he wanted it all, and he wanted it all right then. He asked the father for his inheritance early, and the loving father gave it over. And the young man went off, and he spent it all on worldly things and on pleasures until they were all gone, all of his money was gone, and he realized that it was all pointless, as the teacher in Ecclesiastes says. And he needed to go home. And as he's coming down the path, the father sees him coming and runs to him with open arms to welcome him home and then has a celebration feast in honor of a son that was once lost and is now found. Jesus makes it very clear in this parable who the loving father is. It is our heavenly father. And when we lose sight, as we do, God is always there with arms wide open, ready to receive us home. Amen. Full of love and grace and forgiveness. Amen. I'm glad to be home, church. And if 
you need to come home, have that conversation with God. He's always there with open arms waiting to celebrate your homecoming. Amen. Go in the peace and love and grace and know that he is always there. In Jesus' name, amen.